Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. Will you stand with us? Her song is entitled, Do What You Want To, and that's what we want the Lord and the Holy Spirit to have freedom in this place, just to do whatever He wants to today. Let's praise Him.
right. Awesome scene. Thank you so much. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. It's so, it's so good to see you guys. Thank you so much for your worship this morning, starting off. Um, that's what we've been praying for all week. You know, the psalmist says in Psalm 43 to, for God to send out his light and his truth and for, let those two things lead him to the holy hill, the holy mountain where God lived so the psalmist could go to the altar of God to give all, all of it over to him to where he could worship his God who brings him exceeding joy. And that's our prayer for you this morning, that you have come to the Lord's house today to worship and to adore the one who gives us exceeding joy and a hope that renews us day by day. So we're so thankful for you, and we hope that you have an awesome Sunday. We know that God has a lot in store for us. It's going to be a good service. It really is. So I hope that you come expecting big things today. Um, But if you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us as well. Uh, We're so glad that you're here, and we love it here at Kavanaugh Church, and we want to be able to tell you all about it. In the chair in front of you, there's a a Connect card if you could. Uh, Grab that, fill that out, and then right after service, there's a Connect counter in the lobby. If you could, take that to that counter. We want to be able to Uh, to tell you and your family all about our church and where you guys could plug in and connect. Uh, Again, it's great having you, and again, we're so looking forward to your first-time experience here with us today. I'm going to invite you all to stand right now, and we're going to ask God's anointing our service. It's a big day, Super Bowl Sunday. Who's, Who's actually got a team in the Super Bowl tonight? Anyone? Couple of you? Okay, cool. Not me, but I am 100% in my Super Bowl era. All right, let's pray. That's a Taylor Swift joke. All right, let's pray. (laughs) Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to come back into this place, God. Lord, we do love you, and we do worship you, and we want you to have all the glory and the honor this morning. So, God, here in this service, back in our kids' area, and uh, with our church members on the, in the mission field today and uh, throughout our campus, God, we want you to get all that glory and worship, God. May your spirit fill this place and lead lives to change and change for the better. We want to be a light and hope for all people, but first, it's got to start with us. So, Lord, help us to be able to receive your word in its fullest through the preaching this morning. Be with our pastor as he leads us today in your name. Amen. Greet those around you, and we'll get started in a couple moments. To those around you have a question. How many of you believe that God does great things? I mean, really? I mean, yes. Does God do great things? He's done it in the past. He'll do it again. Let's sing praise to him this morning because he has done great things.
get a chance to talk very much, but when I do, I'm a nervous as a cat up a hot, hot tin roof. Maybe somebody relate to that. But you know, God created each and every one of us. And I learned when I was just six years old, when I got saved, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in me should have eternal life. But you know, that, that just tells me that he loves me from beginning to end. From all the way from all the way from my ancestors to when he comes. Jesus loves you just like he does me. No matter when in life you are right now, you can come to him and you can say, Lord, please accept me as I am. Please come into my heart. And he will. And that's what Christ's love is all about. Listen to this song as we sing.
We love you. We just want to glorify your name this morning. We want to praise your name and give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. And Lord, you know each one of these hearts here that's here today, Lord. Shine your light in each one this morning. And give Brother Will the words you'd have him to speak. Lord, and that there's each one of us, we might know that you have been with us in, in each part of our lives. And thank you for loving us and keeping us and loving us. In Jesus' name we ask thee. Amen. people said amen thank you praise team give them another big hand man they they brought it today good job good job glad that you're here welcome to the lord's house uh i know we just prayed but we've got to pray again all right um i i know without a shadow of doubt the devil does not want me to read to you the verse that we're going to read today i know that he does not want you to hear the truth of god that will literally set you free today. He does not want you to comprehend the truth that God has for you this morning from His Word. And He doesn't want me to preach it. So let's pray for each other, can we? I want you to pray for me that, that God, God in me, Christ in me, would just speak to your hearts and your minds. And you pray for yourself that you would receive the truth that God has for you and it would so change your life that you take what you learned today and put it into practice when you walk out these doors. Let's pray for each other. Heavenly Father, I love you. Thank you for, for this moment of worship that we've had to lift up the precious name of Jesus. I know that when the name of Jesus is lifted up, you, Lord, will draw people to yourself. And you're doing that in this moment I pray, dear Lord, that we have protection from the enemy. I, I pray, dear Lord, a hedge of protection around each person in this room and those listening online. I pray that we would be attentive to your Holy Spirit. We would allow the Word of God to speak to our hearts and, and change us right where we are. Lord, I just pray in the powerful name of Jesus that we would receive the truth that Jesus has for us today. And all the people said... Amen. Amen. We're in a series called Big Promises from a Big God. So far, we've looked at three of God's big promises, God's answer to despair, God's answer to guilt, and God's answer to fear. We're going to come to the fourth promise today. You say, preacher, how many are there? Well, if you remember, there's 7,487 promises in the Bible. We've got a ways to go. We're on number four today, all right? Here is the fourth promise I'm going to share to you. You have a way out. You've got a way out. Today we're going to look at God's answer to your problem of temptation. Now, one of the things that we all have in common is that every single day, multiple times a day, we are all tempted. 
That is the devil's job, to to dangle that golden carrot in front of us, to tempt us into sinning. So we all have that in common. And there are no new temptations. We're, We're all tempted the same way. So you're tempted and I'm tempted. We all have a problem with temptation. And I want to begin with the fact that we are born with this sin nature that easily follows the temptation into sin. We are born with a sin nature that rebels against God and the things of God, including the Word of God. How do I know that? Well, because the Bible tells us that. I don't have this scripture on the screen, but listen as I read to you from Ephesians chapter 2. Paul said, and you, if you're a you, raise your hand, you, that's us, you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. So he's speaking to the church, he's talking to us, members of Kavanaugh Church, those of us who have been saved, born again. We haven't always been that way. We made a choice to accept Jesus. And when we invited Jesus into our life, he changed us from the inside out. We are now a new creation in Christ. The old is past. Everything has become new. Our sins have been covered in the blood of Jesus. We are new creatures in Christ, but that's not the way we've always been. You were dead in your trespasses and sins, the way you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's what army you used to be on. That, he was your team captain, the devil. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the prince of this world that is at enmity with everything that God is for, he is against. It goes on to say, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our own flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. That's the way we once were. We were in bondage to sin. We followed the devil. He was leading us down the path to damnation and hellfire. But praise God, Jesus saved us. Praise God, we've been set free. Praise God, we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Our names are now written in the Lamb's book of life. And heaven is our home. But we're not there yet. We're still trapped in this old sinful world, and and guess who's in charge of things down here? Well, it's the prince of the power of the air. We still have to contend with the devil every day. We still fight this world system that is against us every single day. We have been saved and redeemed, but we're still in the world. We are still fighting this fleshly nature that we were born with. We have a choice every day which way we're going to go, but we have to fight the devil. Why am I saying that? Well, it's just just the way it is, man. Consider the heroes of the Bible. There there are certain people in the Bible that are my heroes. 
And when I think of these people, I think, man, what, what great faith they had in God. They, they, are, they are saints. They, they are near perfection. But you know what? They're, they were just like you and I are. They, they had to put their pants on one leg at a time or their sandals one foot at a time. And even though they were saints and the Bible was written about them, you know what? They still had temptation. They still had to fight the sin nature. Again, how do we know that? Well, because we know that Abraham lied on multiple occasions. He was a liar. He lied and told several kings that Sarah, his wife, was not his wife. She was his sister. That was a partial truth, but it was still a lie. And he was lying to save his own skin. His wife, Sarah, lied. Not to man, she lied to God. They had a nephew that compromised himself in Sodom. A few weeks ago, we talked about Jacob. He cheated his brother. He deceived his father. Moses was told by God to speak to the rock and water would come out of it. But Moses was ticked off at the children of Israel. And in anger, he hit the rock disobeying God. Elijah complained against God. And you might think, well, you know, those, those, are not, those are not big deal things. Yes, they are. They're sinning against God. Sin is sin. It's rebellion against God. But if you want to talk in, you know, on our level about bad sins, what, what about David? A man after God's own heart. He committed adultery with this beautiful woman named Bathsheba. And if that were not a Bad enough, he, he made her husband be murdered to cover up the whole deal. Jonah ran away from God. Peter denied the Lord not once, not twice, but thrice. These facts should not discourage us, but rather cause us to seriously consider our own spiritual condition. What do I mean by that? I mean this, what happened to them can also happen to us. They were the super saints. And if they were still dealing with that sin nature, if they were still tempted, you know what? You and I are going to be tempted as well. We struggle because temptation tends to come when we least expect it. Wouldn't it be great if we could schedule our enticements? We'd probably be better at them. I've decided to fight against lust Saturday at 1230. Unfortunately, those wrong desires often show up unannounced Wednesday morning at 9.30 when our guard is down. And that is precisely to the point of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. This is our big promise from a big God today. And if you don't have this verse underlined in your Bible, you need to open your Bible right now and underline it. Maybe you need to write it out or print it out and put it on your refrigerator or your nightstand. Maybe you need to take your phone and, and just do one of those picture things when you do your, what do you call it, screenshot. Make, make, make it your, your home page on your computer. Big promise from a big God. Here it is, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No, no, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. I love this little phrase, but God is faithful. How about an amen from people who can say amen? Amen? But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you might be able to bear it. Amen and amen. What a tremendous promise. 
I want to exegete this passage very quickly and point out three truths that are found in this one verse. First is this, temptation is the common experience of all Christians, all of us. All of us face temptation, and there are no new temptations. We all face the same temptations. If you say, I'll be glad when I'm not tempted, what you're really saying is this, I'll, I'll be glad when I'm dead. Because you will be tempted as long as you're living. I've noticed this, temptations change shapes across the years, but they never, ever go away. I have naively told you that when I was young in ministry, there are certain things that I just, I just assumed, I thought were, were going to happen. When, when I was in Bible college and in seminary in my first few years of, of pastoring, I naively thought that writing sermons would someday be easy, <laughs> that preaching would become just easy and, and natural that dealing with people would no longer be a problem because I would have so much experience in dealing with people, and that the devil could never get to me because I would have arrived at sainthood. None of those things are true, all right? And what I've discovered is that through the years, that little X that was on my back has now become a big X. The devil is more after me now than he ever has been before. But here's what I know. What I'm tempted with, you're tempted with. There's nothing new under the sun. And not only am I tempted and you are tempted, my Jesus was tempted. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all ways in which we are tempted, yet he did not sin. Our ultimate victor. So, so agree with me that temptation is nothing new, and it's common to us all. Second, God will not allow you to be put into a situation where you must give in to sin. The pressure may be enormous, but he's always going to provide the way out. Angie and I were traveling yesterday, coming back from Nashville. I'll tell you more about that trip in a moment. But, but as we were traveling and, and driving down the road, it was raining. I was bored, had to stay intense on the traffic. But I was preaching to her, preaching my sermon for today and told her the passage. And before I could say it, she said, you need to take the way out. Because she's heard me preach this passage before. Not this sermon, it's a new sermon, but she's heard me preach on this passage before. And what does the passage say? No matter what temptation you face, God will provide not a way out, not multiple avenues out, but the way. One way. Now he may give you an option, but he's going to give you at least one way out. God, God is always going to give us an escape plan. It may be difficult to make that choice. It may be hard to take that avenue, but God has provided the way out. You've just got to take the way out. And third, along with that, God's way out does not necessarily remove you from the temptation, but it puts you into a position so that you can endure that temptation with grace. Sometimes we are going to be tempted over and over and over again. 
If the devil doesn't get us today, he's going to come back tomorrow with the same temptation. Why? Because he has your number, man. He, he knows you intimately. He knows the things that get to you. He knows what gets to me may not get to you, but what gets to you may not get to me. He's got your number, and he's dialing that number up every day. And just because you say no to the devil one day and do not take that golden carrot of temptation doesn't mean that the devil is going to leave you alone on that temptation. He's going to come back again because he knows how he can get to you. Each time God promises to give us what we need to resist that temptation at that moment and be successful. Remember Joseph in the Old Testament, his brothers sold him into Egyptian slavery to a caravan going to Egypt. They, they sold him to a guy named Potiphar, and he went to work in Potiphar's house. And what did Potiphar have? A beautiful wife. Oh, Miss Potiphar. And, and you know the story. Every single day, she looked at young Joseph, and she lusted after him. She tempted him every day. Every day, every single day in that house, she said, come to my chambers and have sex with me. Same temptation, day after day after day. Temptations don't go away, man. But you know what? With every temptation, every day, no matter what it is, God is going to give you the way out. I want, I want us to be clear about one thing. You do not have to sin. Come on, I need more people to say amen than Ronnie. Come on. <laughs> you don't have to sin. God will never lead you to a place where your only choice is disobedience. Never. We always have a choice. And when we make the wrong choice, we can't say the devil made me do it. Like even the garden, we choose to eat the forbidden fruit. It's a choice. Shortly after the terrorist attack on 9-11, military strategists developed the concept of forward-leaning defense. New concept, forward-leaning defense. If you wait for the bad guys to attack, they decided, you've made yourself an easy target. So you need to take the battle to the enemy and hit him before he hits you. Well, did you know that's biblical? <laughs> Peter would agree with that wholeheartedly. Re remember what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8? He said, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The devil's hungry. And you're on the menu. Satan, Satan's number one tool is discouragement. He's already won if he can get you to drop your weapons and walk off the battlefield. That is why the devil attacks you on a thousand different fronts. And, and look at me. The devil doesn't fight fair. He's not going to give you an even break. He is a liar. In fact, he is the father of lies. Every lie comes from the devil. He is a deceiver. He is a diabolical angel of light who comes to you in a thousand guises, tempting you to disobey the Lord. And get this, he is a whole lot smarter than you are. 
He knows your weak points better than you do. He has a dossier on you. He has been studying you since the day you were born. And because he is invisible, he can attack you any time of the day or night. Wow. So you tell me, preacher, how in the world am I supposed to fight against that enemy? Well, I, I, wanna, I want you to consider five ways to practice this forward-leaning defense this morning against the devil and his schemes. Five things, practical things, that you can write down and put into action before you walk out these doors. Five ways we can overcome the temptation from the evil one. What is the first, first one? Well, you need to adopt a warfare mentality. You need to get it in your head. I'm at war. Ephesians 6, 11 says, put on the whole armor of God. Adopting a warfare mentality means that we are always at war, that there is a spiritual battle waging, raging all around us, and that we ourselves are in the battle. In fact, we are on the front line. In the old days, soldiers were told, don't fire until you see the whites of their eyes. But that doesn't work in modern warfare because you rarely see the enemy. And in the spiritual realm, it doesn't apply at all because we are fighting an invisible foe. And that's why it's easy to forget that we're in battle until all of a sudden we are attacked by the evil one. Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 instructs us to be alert and in prayer. Think of a marine sentry standing guard during the night. This, this guy is on high alert. He is awake. His senses are keen. He's watching. He's, he's listening. Why? Because the lives of his buddies depend on it. You know what, church? Too often we act like we're a security guard on break at the mall. When in reality, we need to be like a marine sentry walking the perimeter in Afghanistan. Ephesians 6.13 Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, you need to keep standing. Nobody has ever said that living the Christian life is easy because it's not. And any representations to the contrary are false and dangerous. You start believing that, the devil's going to have you for a snack. Look at me, church. You're in the army now. You signed up for frontline duty in the army of Jesus Christ. And Jesus does not have any desk jobs where you can stay far behind the lines and let others risk their lives. We're all in this together. We are all soldiers in the Lord's army. Whew. And to that, there's both good news and bad news. <laughs> what do you want first? Well, let me give you the bad. Bad news is... You never get a break from the battle. Never. We are under attack 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. It never lets up. So you can never let down. And because the devil doesn't sleep, we don't have the luxury to go asleep spiritually. Spiritually. 
We have to be attentive. He's never sleeping. He's always on the attack. Last night as I was reviewing this and thinking about this, a thought came to me. I don't know how many of you are like me. I hope, I hope not many of you. <laughs> okay. The, the times the devil attacks me on full assault is not during the day. When the devil attacks me is, is at night when I'm asleep. And I know I'm kind of getting a little spooky here for some of you. But it's in my dreams. I, I, I'm asleep. I, I'm, I'm not on guard, but the devil knows that. And he jumps into my dreams. And there, there are some nights that I wake up fighting mad. When I, when I wake up like this in the morning and, and Angie can sense it, she knows just to stay away from me. You look at me with bewilderment on your face. Has he ever done that to you? I mean, it's real. Those dreams seem real, Jason. I mean, I wake up and I, I have to look around. I thought I was in this position right here. I thought I was duking it out with the devil. He was having his way with me. He was tempting me in ways which he never tempts me during the daytime. Why? Why? Because he's always after us. And if he can get into your mind, he's got control. We need to always be awake. It's a pretty good idea to go to sleep reading the Bible and praying. That's the bad news. Here, here's, here's the good news. Ready for good news? Good news is God has provided everything necessary so that we might fight and we might win the battle that we face every time. Our victory is in Jesus. We're in the battle the tempter never stops tempting us. So we need to be keen and awake and alert and on our guard and have the armor on and fighting the battle always. Number two, if you want to beat the devil at his own game, you need to confess Christ openly. It's like the old preacher who used to say, if you're going to be a Christian, be one. <laughs> That, that, that may not be popular to say today, but I think it's pretty good advice. Listen, if you're going to call Jesus your Savior, act like a Christian. If you're going to be a Christian, just be one. You've got to make up your mind because a man who tries to have it both ways, a woman who rides the fence is going to end up being destroyed. Compromise leads to destruction in the spiritual realm. R remember... What Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. You, you, you got to pick which side you're on. You, you, you can't straddle the fence. Jesus said it like this in the book of Revelation to the church. He said, you either got to be hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And I can't stand lukewarmness. I can't stand it when you try to straddle the fence. Therefore, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Did you know that in the early days of the church, baptismal candidates were asked the question, 
Do you renounce the devil and his works? And you have to answer that question. That, that is entirely biblical. And you know what? We need to be asking ourselves that question every day. Am I denouncing the devil and his works? We all wonder how we would respond if our faith was put to the test. If somebody held a gun to our head and said, okay, you've got, you've got one of two choices here. You can deny Jesus and live or you can confess Christ and I'm going to pull the trigger. What would we do? Would we have the courage of our convictions or would we give in to save our life? Did you know that for our brothers and sisters in China and India and the Middle East, that question is not theoretical. They face that. And and, and let me tell you something else. We may face that in America sooner than later. Here's the best way to be ready if that day comes. You just confess Jesus every day. Right now you confess Jesus. Jesus is my Lord. I confess Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life. You don't keep it a secret. You tell people, I'm a Christian. You don't just tell them, you live it. If you're a Christian, you act like it. You walk the walk, you talk the talk. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And it it just becomes who you are. Let me tell you, you've got a a lot better chance of duking it out with the devil if you're on Jesus' side instead of being on the fence. So number two, confess Jesus. Number three, sing. Sing. The, The devil hates it when we sing because godly music rouses our souls. It lifts our hearts and it restores our faith. When God's people sing together, we invade the devil's territory. And here's what I figured out. When, when we sing, when we praise, when we lift up the name of Jesus, when we join our hearts in unison, praising the Lamb of God, the devil has to leave the room. He cannot tolerate the praise of Jesus. He can't stand it when God's people are praising the throne and the one who sits on the throne. And so the devil evacuates the room when God's people praise him. Why were we in Nashville? Well, Angie signed up to go to a worship conference called Worship Together. Uh, I encourage all of our staff members through the year to go to a conference that pertains to their ministry. So for Brother Johnny, go to a kids' conference. Brother Nathan, go to a teens' conference. Brother Jason, go go to a conference for for campus pastors, for for church administrators and campus pastors. And so I encourage them to do it. Angie signed up for one. It's where worship pastors go, and they're instructed and encouraged. And she just, she let me tag along. In fact, in the, inscri- the description of the conference, it says, for worship leaders and pastors. So, yeah, there you go. So we went to Nashville. We were, we were at this beautiful theater called the, the Fisher Auditorium Fisher Theater. It's on the campus of Belmont. Anybody ever been in that building, the Fisher, the Fisher Theater? Absolutely a gorgeous Beautiful building. See, 1,700 people. It is, it is beautiful to look at. Some of, some of the top 
Christian artists, both in songwriting and singing, were there. Uh, Friday night, big concert, Chris Tomlin. Anybody know the name Chris Tomlin? We sing dozens of Chris Tomlin songs. I mean, it was awesome. Band after band, great, great singers, great preachers. It, it was inspiring. It was, it was absolutely phenomenal. 1,500 people were there. Probably 90% of them were, were either musicians or singers, worship leaders. I, I would just go through and meet people, met this, met this cool guy. He had a mustache kind of like mine. Turned up and said, hey, dude, had tattoos all over him. I said, man, how, how's he? I love the mustache. And we got to talking. He's from California. His wife was with him. She was the worship leader. You know what he was? The drummer. <laughs> I said, dude, man, we love drummers, man. We... Most, were, most of the people there were singers. And here's the cool thing, Jason. When, when the bands would, would start singing, everybody would stand up, kind of like our second story, everybody stand up. Of course, they wanted to stand up, unlike... And I mean, from, from the beginning to the end, they were standing, they, everybody, every, just about everybody in there had their arms up, they were praising, they were singing to the top of their lungs, and it was absolutely beautiful. It was awesome. These people could sing, not just the ones on the stage, the people in the chairs could sing. That's, that was their job, they're singers, they're worship leaders. Angie, it was phenomenal. And I, and I just stood there, I, I, would, I would try to sing a little bit, but I, you know, I, Singing, not singing loud too. And I was just, I looked at her and I said, "This, this, this is phenomenal. This is, this is a little bit of what heaven is like. There was real praise going on to Jesus. The devil didn't like it, so he left the room. And it was just pure praise to God. It was absolutely phenomenal. But in the midst of that worship, it, it got me to thinking a little bit." I have been a senior pastor for 40 years. I've, I've been preaching for 40 years. Last night I, I did some calculations on my own. A conservative number, conservative number. In those 40 years I have, I have stepped up on a stage and I have preached to a congregation, conservatively speaking, about 8,000 times. I have preached about 8,000 sermons. And I know what you're thinking. Well, you ought to be a whole lot better at it than what you're... <laughs> it's not my first rodeo today. I've done this 8,000 times. But in those 40 years... There have been times I've walked into the worship center prepared to preach. I've always been prepared to preach, but, but not ready to preach. Do you know the difference? I mean, not always, but there have been some times when I've walked in and, and my soul has been burdened. I've been dealing with things in my own personal life. I, Gary, I went through this long stretch in Pine Bluff where the devil was attacking me every single day of my life. I got to the point where I didn't even know if I could go on from day after day. I call them the dark years of my ministry. 
But I still had to walk in there, 3000 Orange Street and the Oak Park Sanctuary and stand up in front of those people and preach to them the Word of God. But it was hard. There are times when I haven't been physically up to preaching. I can't tell you the number of times I've, I've gone from the bathroom throwing up to the stage to preach, hoping I don't throw up on you. There have been some Sundays when I came into the worship center and all week long, man, I've been, I've been stirring up this little fire inside of me so that something would be burning when I preach to you. And I have somebody come up to me and say, hey, preacher, just want you to know this is our last Sunday here. We're going to go look for another church. <laughs> and it, it's like they're taking a, a, big old, a big old jar of cold water and pouring it on my little fire. Now, I'm not whining to you, but I am telling you this. If, if you ever want to say that to me, wait until after the service is over with. Which I... there, there have been times when I just didn't feel like I could stand up here and deliver God's Word. But then when I got in here... The, the worship team fired up the band and they started singing and my mind started clearing and my doubts departed and my worries vanished and my faith swelled up and my heart was lifted up to heaven. And when the time came to preach, I was able to preach through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, you, and you know how that happened? It happened because God's people were lifting up praise to God through singing. And when we sing praises to God, the devil has to evacuate the room. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19 tells us to speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. Through our singing, we honor God and we strengthen those around us. And the devil leaves the room when we praise Jesus through song. So let me tell you something, friend. It's important for you to sing praises. When the band fires up and they lead us in song, you connect with Jesus. We're, we're not doing a solo here. We're singing praises to God. We're not singing to each other. We're singing to Him. And did you know that at this very moment in heaven, all they are doing is singing praises to God. Holy, holy, holy. It's a song that never ends. And my friend, you need to start practicing now. Parents, you need to sing to your children and to your grandchildren. Moms and dads, you need to, you need to teach your kids and your grandchildren to sing hymns and gospel songs and choruses. They need to hear you singing. You, you need to teach them to sing. I, I got a little video I'm going to show you of, of my two granddaughters. And, and, and you know, I'm not, I'm not showing them to you because I'm, I'm proud of them. And I think they're everything. Yes, I am. <laughs> Just watch the video, would you? Angels watching over me, my Lord, all night, all day. Angels watching over me, 
Boy, that, that, that just happened the other night. But it happens every night. But it started a long time ago. It actually started up in Indiana. When Peggy would sing to Angie. And when Angie would sing to Whitney. And now when Whitney sings to Ella Jane and Archie and baby Jules. And now little Ella Jane is singing to her baby sister because Ella Jane is advanced. (laughs) It is a family heritage, a gift from God that we need to be passing on to our kids and our grandkids. You need to sing to them. They need to hear you sing praises to God and not be afraid to sing themselves. You need to sing when you're in the shower. You need to sing as you ride your bike. You need to sing while you're listening to the radio. You need to sing while you work out. Go ahead. Drive the devil nuts. He hates the music that God loves. So sing out and make the devil mad. (laughs) Number four, you need to memorize the Word of God. If you're going to beat the devil at his own game, use the word of God. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And then Jesus prayed for us in John chapter 17, verse 17. He said, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. The, the word of God not only instructs us on how to live, it also gives us the power to make the right choices. And when the devil comes to us, what we need to rebuke him with is the word of God. So put it in your hearts. Nathan made reference to it. I, I guess they are playing a football game today. I don't know who you're rooting for, but I cannot stand the 49ers, so... If you're, if, yeah, I'm going to tell you, if you're a Cowboy fan, you can't stand the 49ers, so there, there you go. And I could get into all that stuff about what's going on in football and who's sitting in the stands and what. Here, here's what I know. Both teams, Kansas City and San Francisco, they have a game plan. They have been working on a game plan for two weeks. They have poured the game plan into their players. Everybody knows the game plan chances are they're going to stick with their game plan because they know their team, they know their opponent, they know what it's going to take to win, so they got a game plan. You know what? God gave us a game plan. And it really, when it comes down to it, it's not rocket science. If you want to beat the devil, we have an example in the Word of God on how to do it when he comes to us hurling temptation after temptation. We read about it in Matthew chapter 4. When Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, verse 1 says, after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Well, I would be too, (laughs) wouldn't you? Then the tempter, that is the devil, approached Jesus and said to him, if you really are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Now guys, here's what you got to understand. 
This was Jesus' temptation. It was real to Jesus. Just as you were tempted, Jesus was tempted. He had just gone 40 days and 40 nights without a single bite of food. His body was craving food. He was hungry. So the devil started with this primeval hunger of food. And he said, if you really are this, you just talk to that stone right there and tell it to become a loaf of bread. And you know what? It was Jesus' temptation. It was plausible to see that happen because these were round stones. They looked just like the loaves of bread Jewish women would cook in their outdoor ovens. So to look at one of these stones and see it becoming a loaf of bread was very plausible. Jesus, just your God, just speak to that loaf and, and make it become that stone and make it become bread. But here's what Jesus answered. It is written, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will give his angels charge concerning you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Again, this was Jesus' temptation. It was real to Jesus. The devil took him to Jerusalem, to the temple, to the pinnacle on top of the temple. They say this thing was 700 feet above ground, and there they are perched on the pinnacle. Down below them in a circle were the Jewish zealots, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They were caucusing. They were talking about and debating the coming of the Messiah. And so the devil says to Jesus, Jesus, why don't you just float down like some spiritual superman? Jump off this temple, float down 700 feet right into the middle of these people who will see you as the Messiah and worship you. See how easy that would be? Jesus could do that. But what did Jesus say? It is written, do not test the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you will just fall down and worship me. Again, it was his temptation. What, what better way than this, to take a shortcut Jesus could do this because remember, all this belongs to the devil. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is the prince of this world. And if Jesus would just take a shortcut, if he would just take a knee to the devil, then you know what? He could avoid the cross. He could avoid all the pain and suffering. You and I would not have to deal with all the junk that we would have to deal with today. All the blood and the guts of years gone by and Christians being persecuted. It would all end. You know what Jesus told him? Get away from me, Satan. For it is written, you worship the Lord God and serve only him. And then the devil left him, and angels came and ministered to him. Here's what you take away from this. You go home and read it, reread it, read it again, and see this for yourself. The way you beat the devil at his own game 
is by saying to the devil, it is written. And you quote the word of God. He cannot refute God's word. He can't debate God's word. When you claim the word of God over your life, he is powerless. But for that to happen, you've got to spend time in the Word of God yourself. You've got to memorize the Word of God. It needs to saturate your soul so that when the devil puts his squeeze on you, the only thing that comes out is God's Word. Woo! Bring it on, devil. It is written. It is written. It is written. Number five, last one. If you want to beat the devil at his own game, you need to march in tight formation. You're never going to defeat the devil in your own strength. That's why the New Testament has so many one another commands. Love one another. Pray for one another. Serve one another. Build up one another. Confess your sins to one another. Encourage one another. Let me tell you, the devil loves to attack Christians who get separated from their brothers and sisters, who drift out of church and don't belong to the body. If he can get you alone, you are prime target for his attacks. I remember reading about a young man who served in the Marine Corps during the war in Iraq. He was stationed in some of the the most fierce fighting. And his sergeant used to say to him and the other men in his platoon, here it is, I'm putting it on the screen for you. Two is one, one is none. And if you're by yourself, you're done. That's pretty good. When you go into battle, you can't wander off on your own or you'll soon be in big trouble. But two is one if you stick together and one is none if you don't. Can can I tell you that's pretty good advice for the church? That's excellent advice for the spiritual battles we all face. Remember, church, if Satan can discourage you, he has already won the battle. Don't fight him alone. You need to stay tight with your brothers and sisters in the church because two is one and one is none when you fight the devil. We need each other. We need each other more than we know we need each other. If we are alone when temptation hits, man, it's easy to, to, to give up. But if we got others cheering for us and encouraging us and building us up, we can stay in there. And together we can defeat the devil. We need to be praying for one another. We need to be interceding for one another. And if you start praying for a brother or sister, when this past week I called up a guy. God had put him on my heart. He doesn't live here. He lives down in Louisiana. He's, he, I don't know him through church. I know him through cowboy shooting. And God just kept putting this guy on my mind. And so I found his phone number, I called him up, and I said, hey, hey, Jubal, his name's Jubal Early, he's, he, this, this guy's, that's his cowboy shooting name, this guy's, he is, a, he, is a, he is a real cowboy, and I don't know exactly what he does for a real job, but he's, he's in law enforcement, I think he's the one who schedules the, the personal security for the governor of the state of Louisiana. You don't, you don't mess with Jubal. But I said, hey... Hey, Jubal, this is this holy smoke, and I don't know why I'm calling you, don't need anything. All I can tell you is that God has put you on my mind every day this week, and, and I finally figured out I need to be praying for Jubal, and so I've been praying for you, and now I'm just calling you to check on you. And there was this long pause. He says, that's interesting. 
He said, let me tell you something, Holy Smoke. He said, if I don't notice a number, if I don't recognize a number, I usually don't answer my phone, let it go to voicemail. You do that? I kind of do that too sometimes. He said, so so it is surprising to me that I even answered this call. And let me tell you what I'm doing right now. I'm having my morning devotion. I'm reading the Bible. I'm talking to the Lord. And he says, "I I can't tell you what it means to me to have you, a brother in Jesus, call me and tell me that you're thinking about me and praying for me. We need to be doing that for each other. We need to be interceding for each other. Scott, let me tell you something. If God puts you on my heart, I'm going to be praying for you, brother. I don't know what it is you might be going through, but if God tells me to pray for Scott Clark, I'm going to pray for Scott. He's my brother, and I need to intercede for him. Freddie, if God tells me to pray for you, I guarantee you I'm praying for you. And here's what the Lord does when we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe he sends angels to minister to and to protect and to help us. Why? Because there is a brother or sister praying for us, interceding for us. We need each other. I know we needle one another sometimes, but we sure need each other. I'm about to land this plane, but let me give you two final thoughts. We are at war against an enemy that is much stronger than we are. The devil stops at nothing. He lies, he cheats, he deceives. If we defeat him today, he's going to be back tomorrow morning. No, let me erase that. If we defeat him today, he's going to come back this afternoon. Satan comes to us in a thousand guises, most of them hard to spot, all of them deadly to our soul. And if we try to fight him on our own strength, he is going to annihilate us. He will devour us. If we ignore him, he has already won the battle. So whether you like it or not, you are at war with an enemy who's stronger than you are. Final thought number two. We have a Savior who's a whole lot stronger than our enemy. Jesus fought and won the battle 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. Jesus is the undefeated champion of the universe. The cross proved our Lord is the victor over death, hell, and the grave for all eternity. And that is where our study of temptation comes to an end, on a note of triumphant victory. I've read the end of the book. I know who wins. Jesus. It's not the devil. Let me tell you, the devil is the ultimate loser. Jesus wins in the end, and he wins big. And every one of us who by faith are joined with Jesus, we win too. Why? Because he is the captain of our salvation. The forces of evil cannot stand against him. So here's the big promise for you today. When you feel like giving in to anger and lust and greed, or any of a thousand other sins, remember this, you've got a way out. 
Take the way out and don't look back. Are you under attack from the enemy this morning? Never give up. Do you feel like quitting? Never give up. Are you fighting for your marriage? Never give up. Are you trying to be strong in the face of temptation? Never give up. Do you face a barrage of criticism for doing what is right? Never give up. Are you tired of struggling? Never give up. Are you tempted to quit? Maybe you've fallen. You've dropped your sword. Your breastplate has fallen off. Friend, pick up your armor and get back in the battle. Because when the day is done, you will be standing on the victory side. So stand and fight, child of God. The Lord is on your side. And victory has a name. It's Jesus. Jesus, we call on that name right now. Jesus, the name that is above every name. Jesus, the name that is lifted high today. Jesus, our conquering Savior. Jesus, we call on your name. Help us. Help us today, Jesus, to bring all of our weakness, all of our failures, all of our temptations to the altar and pour them into you. Give us strength, dear Jesus. Help us, help us to take a stand. Help us to sing praises. Help us to confess Jesus. Help us not to give up. Help us to love one another and help each other. And help us right now, dear Jesus, to take a stand for you. If there's anyone in this room who needs Jesus as their Savior, may they come today and receive the gift of salvation. Lord, for the rest of us, help us to come and receive the strength we need to face the battle we're facing. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand, and as soon as you stand up, just go ahead and step out. Some have already come to the altar. You know if you need to. Come on. Surrender to Jesus. Tell the Lord you're on his side. You're, you're on the front line. You need his help. Come and be strengthened by Jesus right now. Come. He's waiting for you. Come.
name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And when we lift high the name of Jesus, I know that Jesus draws men, women, boys, and girls to himself. You've done that today, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this service. Thank you for filling our heart with your word, your love. And I pray, dear Lord, that you have prepared us to go out and face the enemy this afternoon. Give us victory in the name of Jesus, for we ask it in his precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I'm going to ask these wonderful people if they'll stand here with me. We've got, we got two families that uh, come to Kavanaugh today to join the church. They've gone through our Connect class, and uh, today they want to make it official and become members at Kavanaugh Church. To Jason's left, we have Heath and Susie Doss. Uh, they've been coming to Kavanaugh. They love this church, and today they want to make it their church for life. Amen. Give them a big hand, would you? We have Jeff and Melanie Spence. This is, this is my preacher brother right here. He's been a, a pastor and a preacher of the gospel. God, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's a great story. Sometime you need to ask them their story about how they made it to Fort Smith. God just kind of led them here, provided them with the right house. They prayed about what church to come to. God led them to Kavanaugh Church, and they love it. They are a part of this family, and they are ready to serve Jesus at Kavanaugh Church. Love these guys. They also have gone through our Connect class and want to make it official today and become members of, of Kavanaugh Church. If you promise to love these two families, support them and pray for them, would you let them know it with a big amen? amen. And if you accept them into our fellowship, let it be known with a big yes. yes. Amen. Y'all are official now. God bless you. Love you guys very much. God bless you. Bless you. Bless you, Heath. God bless you. Y'all can be seated. Let, let me just give you a few announcements. I'll stay down here on the floor, if that's okay. All right? If you're a member of Kavanaugh Church, when you walk out the door, make sure you drop your offering in one of those black boxes. If you are a guest, please pick up one of these Connect cards and fill it out. Take it out that door. There's a Connect counter there. We'll exchange the card for a gift card to Chick-fil-A. That's a pretty good deal. What do you get when you go to Chick-fil-A? Chick-fil-A sandwich and side of soup chicken. We're almost exactly alike. I get, <laughs> I get the sandwich and macaroni and cheese. Oh, yeah. And a sun joy to drink. Y'all know that? Yeah. Tea and lemonade. Delish. Yeah. They're not open today. <laughs> and it's a good thing. Amen? Yeah, good deal. So anyway, drop that off. I, I almost lost where we were right there. If... if <laughs> If you are a part of Naomi's Friends, y'all are meeting tomorrow at Eunice's Restaurant at 1 o'clock for lunch. Tuesday at 11 a.m., we're going to have a funeral service for Brother Al Valentine. If you come to the second service, maybe you've never met Brother Al. He always comes to the first service. When, when somebody in our church dies, I ask you to pray for their family. Well, in the case of Brother Al, I'm asking you to pray for yourself. Because we are Al's family. Brother Al lived here. He moved here with his wife, Brenda, and his mother, Helen. Both Brenda and Helen have passed away. Al had nobody, no relative in this area. His family is this church. And I tell you, I miss Brother Al already. He was a great man of faith, a great Bible scholar. 
He's in heaven right now. We're going to have a memorial service for him 11 o'clock tomorrow at the National Cemetery. And, and if you can break away from what you're doing at 11, I encourage you to come as we honor this great man of faith. Tuesday, what did I say? I'm sorry. Thank you. There were two people correcting me. It was Jason and Angie right there. I take my orders from Jason and Angie, sometimes in that order too. So that's on Tuesday at 11 o'clock. Wednesday, does anybody know what Wednesday is? It's Love Day. I'm, I am going to be preaching Wednesday night. I'm the preacher Wednesday night, and I don't know what direction it's going to take, but I'm going to talk about love, all right? So uh, bring, bring your sweetheart, and you might learn something. Thursday, we have another funeral. It's going to be here at the church at 10 o'clock. Cynthia Sider, we call her Sippy, passed away. Fred Trobal's daughter, uh, Danny's sister, wonderful lady, awesome mother. She's in heaven, and we're going to celebrate her life and home going on Thursday at 10 o'clock here at, at Kavanaugh. Because of that, no prime timers this week. And uh, I want you to pray for your Puerto Rico mission team. They're still in Puerto Rico ministering to the church and the kids who are there. Uh, you ready to get out of here? Stand up. And I'm empowering you in the name of Jesus Christ to say no to the devil. Get out of here.